A word of caution. This episode contains descriptions of murder and domestic violence that may be disturbing to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised for anyone under the age of 13. On May 17, 1997, a young mother named Rebecca Moses was murdered by her estranged husband, Emilio Ramirez Garcia, in eastern North Carolina. The two had only been married for a short time before she learned he had lied to her during their courtship and that he was still a married man with children in Mexico. Emilio ambushed Rebecca at a friend's house, murdered her in front of her two-year-old son, then quickly left the country. Rebecca's family is still holding out hope he will be found one day. The family recently shared the following quote on the Justice for Rebecca Moses Facebook page. Someone you know is preparing for their first Christmas without their husband, wife, mother, father, brother, sister, daughter, son. Others are preparing for their last. Regardless of the specifics, remember that this season of joy is oftentimes a season of sorrow for many. Be kind, be generous, give love, give help. If nothing else, just don't give people a hard time. There is much to love about North and South Carolina, but the two states have also had their fair share of violent and senseless crimes over the years, from murders on the Blue Ridge Parkway, in the heart of big cities or sleepy college towns, and along the coastal waters, some of these stories may be new to you. Some may have happened in your town. Some may involve people that are still missing to this day. But all will leave you remembering to always be vigilant about the people you meet and the places you go. I'm Renee Robertson. Please join me for Missing in the Carolinas. Episode 77 Justice for Rebecca Moses, or Where is Emilio Ramirez Garcia? A few months ago, I received an email from a listener named Casey Waters. She told me that her aunt had been murdered in North Carolina in May of 1997, and that her estranged husband, Emilio Ramirez Garcia, has been on the run from law enforcement ever since. Rebecca Moses was a 27-year-old young single mother from Snow Hill, North Carolina, when she met Emilio Ramirez Garcia. He showered her with attention at first and promised to be a good father to her toddler, Corby. They quickly married, but she soon learned Emilio was not who he appeared to be. After an incident of domestic violence, the two separated. About a year after Rebecca and Emilio parted ways, she traveled to Greene County so that she could pay for a speeding ticket. She spent the night with a close friend named Myra Lohman. Myra later told police that Emilio had come to the home late that night looking for Rebecca, and when she wouldn't speak to him, he kicked in the door and headed to the bedroom where Rebecca was sleeping with Corby. Myra heard the gun go off and Emilio fled from the home. According to Myra, Rebecca died shortly afterwards from her injuries. Corby had not been harmed physically. Emilio quickly left the state, and then the country, traveling back to Mexico, where his family lived. The ensuing years have been frustrating for local law enforcement, the FBI, as well as Rebecca's family. Her story appeared in Season 4, Episode 9, in the show In Pursuit with John Walsh. Producers with the show created an age-enhanced photo of Emilio to show what he might look like today. At the time he went missing, Amigdio Emilio Ramirez Garcia stood six feet tall and had brown hair and brown eyes. He also had a heart tattoo on his left forearm that read Amore. 
He was born on August 5, 1959, and would be 64 years old today. He was last seen in Monte Tamalupas, Mexico. You can visit the Facebook page, Justice for Rebecca Moses, for a look at the age-enhanced photo. There is currently a $5,000 reward being offered for information leading to the arrest of Emilio Ramirez Garcia. Anyone with information is asked to contact the Greene County Sheriff's Office at 252-747-3411. In a sad footnote to this case, Rebecca's son, Corby Moses, who was present on the night she was murdered, died in June of 2018. Robertsonville resident David Adam Hollis was charged with the murder after Corby was found deceased in a car that was stuck in a ditch in Martin County. Corby had died of several gunshot wounds. At the time of his arrest, David Hollis had also been shot. Before we get started today, I'd like to share a word from our sponsors. If you're listening to this podcast, you may be interested in learning how to start your own. This past spring, I created a webinar on how to do just that, and it's now being offered as a digital course over at WOW Women on Writing. The pre-recorded 30-minute webinar will teach you examples of different types of podcasts, how to decide on a format, ways to handle the technology necessary for creating a podcast, how to develop your first few episodes, promotion and monetization ideas, and ways you can repurpose your podcast content. All written materials and resources are provided by me. I'll provide a handout with information discussed in the webinar, along with suggestions for a few different types of podcasts to explore. Best of all, this webinar only costs $30. You can purchase the course over at wowwomenonwriting.com and click on the classroom tab. I'll also post a link in the show notes. Hey, true crime fans. I'm Amanda. And I'm her mom, Pam. And we are inviting you to listen to our podcast, Enmeshed. We dive deep to give you fresh takes on stale relationships. Join us every Monday for an audio journey covering the darker side of family dynamics. Our episodes are around 30 minutes. We get right into it. We will guide you through intriguing lesser-known cases and famous crime stories involving murder, deceit, and the entangled family members who commit these crimes together or against each other. Check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And remember, some of the most poisonous people come disguised as family. And now let's get back to the show. We recently spoke with Rebecca's older sister, Beverly Wilkerson, about Rebecca's early life with the family and her family's continued search for justice in this case. So welcome to the podcast, Beverly. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I want to start by having you tell us a little bit about your sister, Rebecca. Um, What was your relationship like growing up with her? Well, at first it was really close. I was 13 and a half years old when she was born. So there was a lot of age difference. But, you know, I towed her around and when I got married, she'd come stay with me and I'd take her for ice cream. And, you know, it was a good relationship. Now, when she got teenage years, of course, she had her own friends and, you know, age different was so different. You know, it got a little spaced out. But oh, that, I mean, she'd babysit for me sometime. And I mean, she was she was sweet, except for that getting off from those bad people, I guess. So how did she meet Emigdio Emilio Ramirez Garcia? 
Well, to be honest with you, I'm not 100% sure how she met him. I've only saw him one time. I never met him. Um, she came and stayed with me um, on and off through her adult life. And she was here one day, and um, I went to work, came home, and I saw a piece of paper thrown in the floor in the bathroom, balled up. So I went and looked at it. Just curious because, you know, I had kids. What was it throwing away? And it was a note from her saying wedding bands at Walmart was so-and-so price. So I went out and I said, Rebecca, what, a, what are you looking at wedding bands? I didn't know she was even dating anybody. And she said, well, I think I'm going to get married. And I said, with who? And then she told me his name. And I said, well, I've never met him. Are you sure about this? You know, you don't really need to, just because you got a child, you don't need to jump into relationships. So the next day or two, she went to mom's and told her that she had gotten married. But I had the only time I ever saw that man was she called me while they were, I guess, while they were seeing each other and asked me to go by and pick Corby up, her two year old, where it wasn't two then, um, from Haven's Gardens, a little place where they were had parked at and was talking. And I was on my way to mom. So I told her I would. I stopped by. It was in her car. She got out, she went and took Corby and his car seat, put it in my car. He sat there, he never waved, got out, helped her, nothing. So that's the only time I've ever seen the man. And Mama said she only met him one time. He went to the door one time. And he didn't say nothing, he just stood there and she said it was kind of weird. So, so then... That was the only, those would have been the only red flags that you saw because you really weren't around them that lot, a lot together. Yeah, and we were always close, you know, talked and stuff. So I was really confused by the whole thing. And I asked her, why in the world did you do that? And she said, well, Corby needs a daddy. And I said, well, you know, you don't need to marry somebody just to get a daddy because, you know, you got family that can help raise him. And she didn't stay married to him, but I think it was two weeks. So, so you don't she know how was, she was dating him before she got married then? No, no, I don't think it was long at all. If you would call it dating, I think it was just, I don't, I don't know. Like I say, I never, never formally met him. None of, none of the family did. It was real secretive. Do you think he encouraged her not to talk to you guys about their relationship? Probably. Probably so. And for all I know, he may have been a fugitive to begin with. So then what happened after she decided to leave him, after she decided the marriage wasn't going to work out? Well, it was two weeks. Um, you know, he beat her up because she found out he was married in Mexico and had children. She called the cops, had him arrested. It was in Kinston, I think it was. And, of course, like so many, she dropped the charges. She moved back home with mom and dad. And mom and dad helped her with Corby. I helped her with him. He come here, you know, they come here and stayed some. And it's, I thought things were improving. She was thinking about going back to college. She had a job. And then she got, she went up to Snow Hill sometime early and got a seatbelt ticket. 
that I didn't know about. Nobody did. And then she went back to pay it. It was on a Friday. And she came here right before she left, her and Corby. And they went upstairs in the playroom. And I had to go to the school to pick my kids up. So I just told her, I said, well, I got to go. And she said, well, I'll be gone before you get back. And I, I said, well, I love you. And I left. And that was the last time I saw her. I don't, I don't know. I thought, I don't know if she was in communication with him. You get kind of conflicting stories. And then the girl that was there that night, she said that she'd paid the ticket that Friday in court and it was kind of late. So she decided to go spend the night with her and he found out she was there. And I don't know if he went by and saw her car or I don't know. Yeah, from what I could tell, he didn't live near where her friend was, right? So it sounded like he had maybe been following her. I don't know where he lived. His sister lived in Kenston. I think that's where he was. I'm not 100% sure. But somehow, why would you wait a year later to do that? It don't make any sense to me. It was I, a year after they had separated? Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. I did not realize that. Yep. They had, he had found her and killed her with her child in bed with her. So luckily, go ahead. Uh, luckily, he did not get hurt, you know, physically. He lived with a lot. He had his own issues. And then, you know, he got murdered as well. So when did the police find out? Well, it sounds like pretty quickly they knew who the shooter was. Yes. What I understand, talking to... Myra, which was the girl there that night, and we just found out who she was and actually talked with her right before the John Wall show because they found her for us and they interviewed her as well. Well, she told a whole lot different story than what the sheriff's department told us. Where it was, even where it was was a different, and I want to find out that. I'm just that's just tormenting me. You know, why would she lie? Why would the cops lie? But she said that uh, it was at an old farmhouse. And there was a group of Mexicans living at the farm, you know, where they do the farm. And her and Rebecca was um, watching a movie. And they, were, they cooked supper for the, they called him Papa or something, the older Mexican that was staying there. And Corby was there and he went to sleep. And they put him in a single bed, as one understood, in that, that room with that guy. Now, I don't, and then something else happened. He was actually in bed with Rebecca. It's so much I don't understand, really. And they say Garcia came to the door. He asked if she was there, and the girl told him to leave. He went in. Rebecca was in the bathroom, is what Myra says. Now, the cop says she was in bed. I don't know. It's strange. And she came out of the bathroom, is what Myra said, and they had an argument. He pulled a gun out and shot her. And then there was no phones back then, no cell phones. Then they had no phone in the where they were. So Myra got, Myra said that Rebecca, after she found out he was arguing with her, went to her bedroom and got the keys to her car and brought them to Myra. 
like she knew something was going to happen. So Myra got in her car and went to the sheriff's station. She says that she was never interviewed. And she also says there was somebody in the car driving where the guy they caught that said that he drove him to the um, to get away, that he wasn't there then, that he went to the trailer and got him and told him what he did and got one to get away. That he never got nothing off Scott free too. So it sounds like Emilio might have known the men that were at the house that the women were at then. Um, they said there was a few there. I don't know why anybody didn't try to stop it. I don't know if they could have. I don't know. They were probably scared. Yeah, probably so. And they were probably they were all undocumented. So probably when she went and got the sheriff, they probably scattered. Is my thinking. That that's probably correct. But I do want to see, it might sound awful, but I would like to see the crime scene photos. So in my mind, I would know where she was. Was it a house? Was it a trailer? Was she in the hallway? Was she in the bedroom? You know, was she interviewed when she said she weren't? I, I just don't, I don't know. The whole thing's confusing to me. It's very confusing. And how far away were you, was she from where you all were living when that we happened? Were, we were in Washington. I lived in the same house. And mom and dad was in Sawmill Landing down towards Bassway. They were a little bit farther away. Um, that's probably an hour and a half, maybe. Because when we had, mama spent the night with me that night. Daddy went back home because she was working at Belt Tyler's wrapping gifts for Christmas. And she said, well, I'll just spend the night and still have to travel, you know. And we were getting the my middle son ready for, a, I think it was a baseball game. And daddy come to the door holding Corby. And it was early, early in the morning. And I went to the door and I said, um, well, what are you doing with Corby? Because I knew she had Corby that night. And he said, she's dead, honey. And I said, what? Because we'd been told, I don't know if you read that or not, but like three weeks before we were told she was killed in a car wreck. Yeah. Somebody stole her license and they wrecked a car and died. And they come to mom's house and said that she was dead. Oh, my goodness. It was like a rehearsal. So the first thing I asked daddy when he said that, I said, are you sure? You know, because we have been just been through all that mess. Yes, honey, I'm sure. So who informed him and brought Corby to him? Myra is who I understand did. She went to the sheriff station and said, you need to contact her dad and mom. Because she didn't want Corby to go to social services, which that was a good thing she did. So then what is the current status of this case? You know, no Emilio left, right? He left. Yeah, the he left. Um, mom and dad did find him um, in about probably a week after he left and contacted the sheriff's department and told them where he was. We actually had a friend that spoke um, Spanish and 
we found his mother's phone or mom and dad's phone number and they called and he was there. Of course, by the time they got there, he'd already left. And now that phone is no longer in existence. So they haven't done much. Um, you know, the FBI, the only thing they'll tell us is the only way they're going to catch him is if he gets a, stopped in a traffic stop and gets fingerprinted. So that's probably the only thing. And why would you fingerprint somebody if they get stopped in a traffic stop? I mean, so they, they don't cater. That's... Did they think he changed his identity? No. I just think they don't care. So he's probably still in Mexico then. I don't know. He's been over here some he had been deported three or four times before this happened. So with open borders like it is now, I feel like he's maybe back. Okay. But I don't know where. And everybody tells me, well, maybe he's dead. I say, well, maybe maybe he is, but I'd like to know. And of course, mom and dad, they hired private investigators to go get him. And they would all they wanted was money. You know, we'll go get him and we'll get rid of him. I'll say, I want a piece of the body. I want a picture. I want, you know, I ain't just giving you no money just to say you did it. Right. So there's a lot of scammers out there for that kind of thing. Yes. And mom and dad, they did they did more investigating than I would say the sheriff's department did. Which, I mean, they went to, out of their way, they made flyers. They went to all these places that Mexicans stayed over in Kinston and Snow Hill and went in bars and put flyers up. And, I mean, they endangered their own self, I think. But nobody else was going to do it. Yeah, this so, is one of those very frustrating cases. Yes, it is. And then Corby grew up never knowing really what happened to his mom, it sounds like. Or he did, but. Yeah, and, you know, he, bless his heart, he would, you know, scream at nighttime, and, you know, he remembered little bits of it, and he'd tell mom he wanted to go to the graveyard and dig his mom up so he could see her. You know, it was just, and then, you know, he did grow up and got married and had two children. Well, she was pregnant, seven weeks pregnant when he got murdered. And, you know, and then uh, uh, his mind was totally, you know, it takes a lot out of you when you see something like that. So I'm sure that's half the reason he got on drugs. And they like say Myra, she got on drugs right afterwards. And then my daughter, Casey, she's the one that's really been an activist for us. She, I mean, she's been, she put the website up. She's just done a great job keeping her memory and just keeping it alive. Is she the one who started the Facebook page of Justice? Yes. Yes, yes she was. And she posts things, you know, from time to time to keep it active and Keeps putting his poster up and, you know, just hoping. And she's the one that actually, that I think that's how you found out. And even the um, John Walsh is how he, because we had contacted, I got a letter right here where we sent John Walsh years ago. We wrote to presidents, we, we everybody. Mama got the um, 
Interpol involved in it. She got um, expedition papers. She got that through. Right. That's the problem with this case is that you've got you've got two different jurisdictions, international, Mm -hmm. and you've got extradition laws. And then you've got someone that you don't know if he's there or if he's here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Don't and know. you also don't know, you don't really have any witnesses besides the one, Myra. Yeah. Well, they have more, but I do know down where they are. I don't know. And they're probably not going to talk. That's probably the- not. Probably not. So it's been a very frustrating case. Very. Well, we will do our best to share the details and get his picture out there, including the age progression picture, because I've seen that too. And hopefully we can try to get some answers for you. So we tried and tried to get the age. And I don't know how much that's going to look like him. I mean, he looks too clean cut me to, to be him, you know. Probably has some gray hair too. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. But we tried to, to get that done, contacted the Sheriff's Department, contacted FBI, contacted other places. And we just can't do that. Well, why can't you do that? It costs money to do that. We don't have the right resources. Then I found one lady that wanted $500 to have it done. I thought, "Mm, no. And then, you know, John Walsh, the organization, they said, yeah, we'll do it for you. Oh, is that how it finally got done? Mm -hmm. Yep, they did it. That's great. But I don't know what it really you know, I don't know. And, you know, the guy that drove the car, that was, you know, they found him. They put him in jail. He stayed in jail. You see, I've got it written down. I read this morning. It sort of made me mad even think about it. They arrested him and put him under a $12,000 bond. Within a week, they released him $2,000 cash. And I was told that that judge probably put that money in his pocket. $2,000. And then they told him to go to Mexico to find this guy. And they signed papers saying that they would not prosecute him if he would, you know, be a witness. I mean, how dumb is that? There's nothing here after that. There really isn't. There's no, we have no bodies paid for this. I would love to see him in jail, you know, at least. Accomplice. But no, we have gotten, and we have not been asked, well, was this okay? Do we, is it okay with the family we do this? You know, we've just been out of the, out of the loop, basically. They never contacted us from the sheriff's department but one time. Mom and dad made appointments with them. Now they got a new sheriff and, my daughter says he's a lot better. Yeah, it's like he cares, actually. So we'll see. Well, hopefully we can get some answers for you. I hope so. I'm kind of closure because I know this has been hanging over your head since 1997, and that's a really mm-hmm. long time. Yep. And I, I would, for nobody else, I'd love for mom to, to have closure before she passes, which is 87 now. And it, it's just been tough on her, especially going through the other trial. And it, she's lived through a lot. We all have. Because she adopted Corby, her and dad did. 
Is the trial over the uh, the person that was arrested for murdering Corby? Yes. Yep. Took about two weeks to do it. He got found not guilty. They put him in jail for having been a felon with a gun and shooting in a vehicle. They said he got 12 years, but he'd probably get out for then. Yeah, I had seen a news article about it, but the one I saw, I don't think it had the conclusion of the trial yet. I think he had just announced that he had been arrested. So I'm sorry. Tough one too. And I did, when I looked at my stuff, I was telling Casey this morning, I was talking to her that I found a letter that mom had written about Rebecca and how this has hurt her and the family. And I had typed it up for her and I done forgot she had wrote it. And I'm sure she wrote it in case she wasn't alive during if we ever catch him or to be read in court uh, i do have that well that's good she sounds like a really strong woman she is very strong she's had to be yeah yeah i, I really admired her when i saw her speaking in the john wash segment oh goodness yeah that was well she didn't want to do it at first mm -hmm. She did, really not, she did do a good job. It's 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 hard to get on there and talk about things like that, but you could you could see her resilience and her determination coming through in that interview. Mm-hmm. Not if we could just get him. <laughs> right. That's what we need now. Right. Do what? I said, can you please just get a conclusion to this? Yes. That would be that'd be amazing. All right. Well, I think that I have everything I need on my end. Um, I will, I'm going to link to the John Walsh segment in the really? show podcast so that people can go watch that. And I just appreciate you, Beverly, taking the time and we'll get his picture out there and hopefully it, hopefully it can bring some answers, right? I hope so. And as more we put it out there, the list I me mean, is more chance that we'll get him. You know, we don't want to die. So. Right. Yeah. I appreciate what you're doing too. That's all we can do. Yep. Right. I think I'm going to, think I'm going to call and see if I can get some more answers about really what happened that night. Hmm. Well, I just want to know. And if we do find out anything, I'll send you an email. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you so much. You have a good day. Good rest of your day. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. This brings us to the conclusion of this episode of Missing in the Carolinas. We'd like to thank the family of Rebecca Moses for reaching out to us so we can help share her story with the public. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor and give it a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd also like to support the show in a small way, you could buy me a coffee over at buymeacoffee.com, Renee Robertson. Thank you so much for those who've already supported me through this platform. We're also now on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, so please like our pages and get started on a discussion of the missing people profiled on the show. Do you know of a missing persons case in North or South Carolina that you think should be covered? Email me at missinginthecarolinas at gmail.com with any details you can share. Cover art for this podcast was designed by Macintosh Multimedia. Sound editing is provided by Daniel Robertson. Thanks so much for listening.